Investors Chronicle. Welcome to the IC Interviews. I'm Lenora Walters and joining me today is Nick Greenwood, Manager of Myton Global Opportunities. This investment trust invests in other listed funds rather than directly in equities and its holdings include funds which invest in esoteric and quoted assets. Nick has run Might on Global Opportunities since 2004, before which he held a number of other roles in fund management and stock broking. Might on Global Opportunities has performed strongly against global equity indices and investment trusts and other multi-asset investment trusts over the past 12 months. What's been driving this performance? I think one of the overriding factors is that during the crisis and um, in, and in the, in the aftermath, we, we we, we looked at the amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus being pumped into the markets and with hindsight wrongly considered that you know that the pandemic would be relatively over quite quickly and that we would be people would be coming back to the economy with a, with a phenomenal amount of stimulus in the background and that would drive equities higher so part of it was that we were fully invested and slightly geared in that period um, and 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 going into what what became quite a, a strong bull market Given that you know we look for overlooked and unloved situations and looking for pricing anomalies, you know, these sorts of conditions and you know tumultuous conditions that we had a year or so ago chucked up a lot of opportunities. And the biggest winner was something called River and Mercantile Microcap. You know there had been a period post Woodford where the received wisdom was to avoid anything with a small market cap, and therefore they were desperately out of favour. We've managed to pick up a, a line of stock at a, at, a, at a 34 discount. I think what the market had forgotten, they have a structure to say small and flexible so they can invest in the smallest companies listed on the stock exchange. That basically means that once they go over 100 million, they hand money back to shareholders at around NAV. And therefore, we bought it at a, at a very steep discount, performed incredibly well in, in, in portfolio terms and an enormous narrowing of the discount, which allowed us to redeem quite a lot of our holding at around NAV. There are other interesting small things. There was uh, individual stock, Bakersfield, which does private equity in the mining world, and obviously did very well during the, the period of, of, of stimulus. And a couple of sort of special situations, EPE special opportunities, just performed extraordinarily well. Uh, and Dunedin Enterprise, which is a private equity trust in a very orderly wind down, has had some 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 great results. So a, a, wide, a wide variety of reasons why it might have been Quite a good period. I think, generally speaking, though, because there are, you know, the, the investment trust sector, the closed-ended sector, is becoming a home for alternatives. There are so many asset classes that are that are being attracted, and you know, in, in recent days, we've had a hydrogen trust, a space trust. That you know, there's a phenomenal amount of asset classes. So there's always something coming in out of in favour and out of favour, which is when you tend to make the returns. Uh, and the fact that there, you know it's so much more varied now means there's always something coming in out of favour, and therefore, part of the factor that it's done so well is just any trust doing this or following this strategy probably will be doing better now because there are so many more opportunities. Um, I suppose just more broadly, what particular changes have you made to the trust over the past 18 months? You know, and how have you gone about taking advantage of these um, investment opportunities? Well, we added quite a little. I mean, River Mercantile wasn't the only micro cap. Uh, we, we we bought a basket of, 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 of micro caps. I mean, you know, you had a bombed out underlying asset class. And you had, in some cases, you know, companies trading on six or seven, eight times earnings, but you're buying them in a, in a, in a package that traded on a, on, a, on a steep discount. So that was a, an area that we, we added to. We're always looking for 
situations where there's a macro view that we're that we're, we're positive about, but, but also a special situation. So we've been topping up exposure to uh, to Vietnam. You know, what we have there is that as a country, it's a big beneficiary of the of the trade war and of COVID because multinationals now want to diversify their manufacturing and their supply chain so they don't have all their, their eggs in the Chinese basket. So, you know, that's a view I think will gain greater acceptance. But the special situation element there is that going back to around 2005, Vietnam briefly was one of the hottest investment stories on the planet. There were a number of investment trusts launched at that time, which raised very large amounts of money. And the legacy of that is that the two investment trusts we own are FTSE 250 stocks in their own right to this day. That dwarfs demand for, um, for, for Vietnam, which explains why they trade on such wide discounts. But as that macro view um, gains acceptance, that will trigger demand for their shares. And the boards of both trusts recognize the oversupply situation, so they're buying in on a regular basis. So you know we expect a tipping point in the not-too-distant future where that very wide discount will, will tighten up fairly spectacularly at a time when the, the macro view is generating portfolio growth as well. Um, but the sector, as I said before, continues to um, to evolve, and therefore new sectors that uh, we've got involved in shipping, mixed in light industrial units and tech disruptors. That's obviously um, some examples of the things you have added. What have you recently sold or produced? Probably a couple of examples. I mean, everything comes in and out of favour at some point, and, and a couple of departures over the last year Augmenting fintech and biotech growth, both stocks, um, we were able to pick up in the in the COVID disruptions very very cheaply. And it's difficult to think back that you know two sectors that have been quite hot could have been out of favour to that extent. But um, they've come back into favour, and we've taken profits on the very large gains because you know the, 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 those stocks are um, are no longer so out of favour. And yeah, they, those were both very successful investments. No. Micro and global opportunities had had a good run recently, but there are years when it doesn't outperform broad global equity indices. What are the reasons for this? One of the reasons is it's less and less about equities. Equities are now you know less than half of the, of the, of the sector, and if you, if you look at the portfolio, a lot of the asset classes are a long way um, detached from, from from equities. I think over five years we're probably around the same as the as as the world index and that, that's been an index that's been very difficult to match over that period so we're very pleased to have matched it because you know so much of that the, the, the indices growth has been in the in the in, in the in the mega cap growth stock had a very flat 2018 2019 because the market focus was so on those narrow range of stocks and you know as we articulate our strategy being looking for the overlooked and unloved that would have been style drift on a on a on a on a humongous basis if we'd gone re- running off and chasing something totally different. So we were pretty well static because all our unloved and overlooked stocks stayed exactly that way. But of course, the progress that they were making during that period was fl- reflected in their share prices more recently, as 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 obviously you can see in the uh, in the numbers. And are there any very broad, are there any particular types of market conditions in which? my turn global opportunities outperforms and um, types of market in which it underperforms? I think that the, the underperformance we've talked about was if you've got, you know, and it's an unusual situation where you've just got one sector that was in vogue. And it wasn't really that it was the opportunity cost rather than we were losing money or anything like that. I mean, I think the shares remained fairly static during the uh, 
during that period. I think it's just, as I said before, you just need things to be coming in and out of favour. And that that really is more likely to be happening now because of the, the wide variety of sectors represented than, than they would have done in the past. So I think, you know, they, they, not something we've engineered, but we just sort of find ourselves in the sweet spot of a style that, that actually um, looks to, it's well suited to the environment we find ourselves in and what the closed-ended world has evolved into. Now, you benchmark against sterling overnight interbank average plus 2%, which is essentially cash. Do you think it's a fair comparison in view of the fact that you invest in potentially higher returning assets, albeit a lot of them aren't listed equities? I mean, going back to the origins, and you know, we were, I think we tried to float this in 2003, uh, we ended up launching in, in, in 2004. Um, what we really wanted was we wanted to have a benchmark or a style that basically said we'd invest in something we think we're going to actually make money in it rather than trying to closet track an, an index. And you've got to go back to that era. You may remember Vodafone taking over management and becoming 14% of the, of, of the index as a result. Now, if you interview, or and I did interview a number of UK managers over that period, and if you ask them which stock they disliked most in 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 the market, they correctly, given what happened afterwards, identified Vodafone as the one they were most bearish on. But a fund manager in that era would identify a very bearish position by maybe taking ten percent, ten percent weighting relative to its fourteen percent weighting in the index. Now, in the real world, if uh, you know you, you're a financial advisor, would you sit down and, and say to your client? Well, I've put 10% of your life savings into the shares I think are going to fall the furthest. That's the world we lived in. And we really wanted to break away from that. And, and we only want to invest in things if it actually makes a return. I suppose it's what, at the time, would be called absolute return investing. Unfortunately, absolute return investing has come to mean something very different. That we won't lose you money in any market environment. And we, we're perfectly capable of losing money in, a, in, in various market environments. And therefore, we've dropped using that term because it, 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 it doesn't mean what we set out for. So, yeah, I mean, that's 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 what we're trying to achieve. And, of course, if you're trying to achieve that, it's very difficult to know what sort of index you would venture again. So we've, we've, we've agonised it for years, but, you know, the trust has been around nearly 20 years and we've never really come up with a better idea. But I think people are familiar with what it is we're, we're trying to do. We are trying to make absolute money, not trying to beat an index or, or whatever. Out of interest, roughly what percentage of the trust assets are on unquoted assets and what percentage on, I suppose, listed equities? I suppose if you're looking, not thinking of the trust themselves, think you look through to the underlying assets. Well, the equity is probably in the minority now. Yeah, I mean, but but it would be things like Indian equities, UK microcap. I mean, we, we often quote probably about 40%, but I, that figure has probably drifted lower. I haven't done the numbers of, of late to what, what, where the underlying is listed equity, but it's, 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 it's a minority and, that, might, and that, that will shrink naturally as, as equities become less important. We will we'll continue to lose the odd equity fund from, from our universe, but continue to gain new asset classes. As I said, you know, we had a hydrogen trust successfully launched this morning, but lots of, of the old, old school trusts, if they can't reinvent themselves, are often just disappearing. You see trusts trading at a discount to net asset value, which looks like it has the potential to narrow. How do you work out which trusts' discounts will narrow? What catalysts and signs do you look for? 
difficult to generalize. You know, we talked about Vietnam, Vietnam opportunities there. We just expect greater demand and fewer shares. That is that is the catalyst. And we can see that that's actually happening bit by bit. Where the tipping point comes, that gets to be a bit of an exact science, but we can see the way it's going. River and Mercantile Microcap we spoke about earlier, that was identifying the, the, the mechanism that returns money to shareholders that the market can, seems to have completely forgotten about. And that that's a that's a mechanistic situation that will that will be, be triggered. Others, you know, Dunedin Enterprise, you know, trades on a wide discount, but every asset will be sold and the money handed back to us at NAV. And it's similar in that the, the secondhand life policies fund is a similar situation. As those as those policies mature, money will be handed back and therefore our returns will come bit by bit, but the payments we get will be at NAV. Other times, you know, a good example, there are a lot of family controlled trusts. And for years and years, you wouldn't have touched them because, you know, they always traded on wide discounts. But I think a number of these things, we're seeing generational change as 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 a sort of the, the, the big shareholdings move from from one generation to the next, they might want to do things in a different way. And and that that, for example, can can be um, can be a catalyst for change. So it's very difficult to generalize. What would be an example of one of these family trusts you're referring to? Well, one that we had was establishment trust, for example. When the patriarch died, there was a bit of a family war, all ended up in high court, and, and the shares were all distributed around various grandchildren, for example, which brought around the, the end of the trust. Another one, you know, that we hold in the portfolio now is Hansa Trust. It traditionally trades on a very, very wide discount. But, you know, reaching the point, and it won't be in the next day, week or, or months, that, you know, the, there will be a generational change there. It's a very small holding at the moment. And it, when it when it has a, a bad day on the markets and it half, gets harshly treated and drifts to a 35 discount, we collect a few. That's one where there will be change. And there, and there are already signs of change in that one of the Brazilian subsidiaries has been redomiciled from being, I, I can't remember where it was domiciled before, but somewhere like Bermuda, to being a Brazilian company, which attracts the, the, the local buyers who weren't able to buy the existing vehicle. So, yeah, that's a, another example. But there were quite a few of these. New Star Investment Trust is, a, is, a, is, is another one we have in the portfolio, which this morning, you know, there was the announcement that Embark has been sold to uh, Scottish Mortgage, so we, which it was a, a significant shareholder in. So, uh, yeah, that's just um, one example. But it, But it's difficult to generalise. There has to be a catalyst, but there isn't a, a lot, there isn't one type of catalyst. They're all very, very different. Okay, and I mean, how long are you prepared to wait for a trust discount to tighten? We normally assume the the natural cycle is about eighteen months long. Further out, you, you get a bit of an advantage. Market's not expecting anything in, for the next two years. For many fund managers, two years is effectively never because we're 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 we are judged on such short term bases that actually. That means the market, if, if, it, if, if we think the catalyst is a couple of years away, that means the market will be assuming it's never. And, and therefore, you know, we can, we can, we can buy in at um, uh, you know, completely the wrong price as long as we're patient. And we do describe our style as watching paint dry. These things will get there in the end. And, you know, having that ability and because we're closed ended to stay with these situations until the natural time to sell them comes to pass we are allowed that does allow us to have punchier positions in the investment trust than we would be able to if the managers are allowed to have in an open-ended fund for example where you've always got to worry about um, redemptions and you know having to hand money back to shareholders at 24 hours notice i mean what would be a a recent example of a trust which really successfully um tightened its discount and, and how long did it take Third point's probably a good example it's a feeder into um a u.s hedge fund 
we bought it on about a 30 discount. Today, it trades on, on about 11. There, I, 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 you know, probably the much of the timing of the discount is to do recently improved performance. It was a turnaround situation. The lead manager had gone off to a life of philanthropy. COVID rather spoiled that because his sort of protege had a difficult COVID. So the manager came back and took over the reins. So it was part turnaround. I didn't catch the name. So it was that? Third point. Third point, yeah. Third point, yeah. Um, But more recently, they've been requisitioned because it's been trading on a wide discount. And very often, if you consistently trade on a wide discount, the real world will come in and try and take those assets. And and that's, you know, we've had a requisition on third point from the old British Empire, and that's helped narrow the discount quite sharply. What would be an example of when you got it wrong um, and things didn't work out well? And what did you do? about the trust? I'd love to say that we never get it wrong. The ones that have gone wrong, because we tend to slowly work our way into a situation and sort of say, well, we we dip our toes into things and buy a few shares, because if if it turns out to be uh, an acid bath, we've only lost a toe. So a lot of the things that have gone wrong, we haven't had much exposure to. It's not doing anything that's been sizable has gone wrong. Examples would be Astiana, um, which is a property specialist in Vietnam and in uh, Malaysia. The Malaysian market, until recently, has had a, a difficult time. They had a particular problem with um, uh, a resort where fundamentalists were coming across on boats and, in one case, beheaded tourists in, in a McDonald's, which was not good for occupancy levels. There, I mean, uh, uh, jointly with other shareholders, we've just moved the thing into an orderly wind-down and the assets will be sold and returned. And that, that's often what happens that if you trade on a very big discount and there isn't any way forward, the thing gets broken up and therefore you get an uplift. So if you buy into something that's 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 out of favour and then it then it underperforms from there, then very often, you know, if it was trading on a 20 discount and then you get underperformance of 10% and the thing gets broken up and you get back at NAV, you've actually marginally made money out of the failure. So that's the, the typical sort of situation. But but ASEAN is one that's 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 moved into into realization. One that we sold out of was LMS. It was managed by Gresham House. It was family controlled. And they decided to take the contract back from Gresham House and and for the family to manage it themselves. That didn't look a very satisfactory situation, but we were fortunate in that we were able to sell that one very quickly in the market. We took a view very quickly uh, and got out while there was still some demand. So sometimes you, you just... You just sell and move on because there, there's nothing you can do in that situation. You haven't got enough power in that situation to actually have any influence on, 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 on the outturn. Very often, and some of our big winners over the years have been where we put a toe into uh, a situation and it hasn't gone well, but you are looking at it. And as the situation moves on, there is a point in time where actually you become quite bullish. And Marwin might be an interesting example um, of one that's had a, um, a bit of a, a tough time model is to to take a listed shell inject assets into it you know recently had a successful run with the old british car auctions but they've had a few aborted trades the costs of doing this in a listed environment being prohibitive uh, and um, therefore they're now the next generation will be will be will be unlisted the other thing that's happened is that the managers themselves have bought a lot of shares off of in Invesco, which which held a, a large position, it was in the Mark Barnett funds. Invesco obviously wanted to move on uh, and and shift that position. A lot of that stock has has ended up being owned by the the managers themselves. And I think that's just an interesting situation where the managers are now very much on board, owning the same bit of paper as yourself, 
and having addressed what went wrong, finding out a better way of, of, of doing things, that's one that we might consider actually staying with and actually, you know, if, if there were opportunities, maybe picking up a few more shares. Are there any investment trust areas or particular types of investment trusts that appear to be offering particular value at the moment? Difficult to generalise. There isn't. The, the, I suppose the theme, the most recent theme that's come in is 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 trusts with high OCFs, because the, the recent legislation means that investment trusts now have to declare all the underlying fees, and and also you know wealth managers do as as well. There are some trusts, particularly the private equity area, where the where the, the fees are very very high, and the and the reaction has been by many market participants just to sell. And we do love situations where. People are selling to us for non-investment reasons. And a lot of these private equity trusts, and the two ones that we own are Oakley and NB Private Equity, you know, they're performing very well at the moment. And therefore, you know, you've got sellers with a sharply rising NAV leading to, to quite wide discounts, which may get wider yet. But the, you know, the, the sellers are selling because they don't want they don't often don't get the opportunity to discuss with clients why um, their own expense figures are, are are looking high and 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 therefore they just see a number. And they have to sell it. So, you know, that, that's creating um, a lot of selling in that area. So that's that's a recent theme that, that's gone into the portfolio that, that looks quite interesting at the moment. I mean, on that note, you're obviously not investing in direct assets. You're investing in other funds and funds, like you say, charge fees. I mean, to what extent do you take the funds fees into consideration when deciding whether to put your money in them or not? And I mean, how much do fees generally eat into might on global opportunities returns i suppose sometimes we feel that we're renting situations rather than you know we are special situations investor rather than a multi-asset investor so sometimes if you can see the share price you know going back to the third point example which was at 30 now trading at 11 in a relatively short period of time you know the the the, the nav has risen quite sharply and that dwarfs whatever fees would have been charged that period it's worth bearing in mind that our performance is after all fees. These fees, although they've only recently, the methodology has only recently meant that those things appear or, or, or are declared. They've always been there. These are not new fees and people aren't paying higher costs. And of course, all our numbers and the performance that we've had over, over recent years is coming after fees. So yeah, I mean, it's, so the, the underlying performance will be that much stronger. But um, as for us looking at fees, I suppose the biggest thing at the moment is the is is the disruption that it's causing, as I've just described on the on, on the private equity fund. So actually, the, the fees element and the factor has actually led to the newest theme within the, within the portfolio. I suppose on the flip side, are there any investment trust areas that you're concerned about at the moment and perhaps avoiding or even reducing if you if you have exposure to them? Well, we tend to look at what we own in in in, in a in a lot of detail. So we don't tend to look at the stuff that that looks unattractive. We own we know vast amounts about small small amounts of the market, but looking elsewhere, probably the the renewables and that sort of area which have a hell of a lot of issuance you do worry that um if they ever fall out of favor that the shareholder bases are, are quite narrow and the regular names and those those types of shareholders might all move in the same direction at once and that is what could trigger the, the trading out at, uh, at, 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 a, at a wide discount so not an area we're looking at particularly closely because they're not at the moment unloved and and, and overlooked but the large amount of supply might might trigger that sort of scenario in the in in, in the future. But certainly nothing that we're, we're, we're that we own that we're worried about. Yeah, I mean, what would be an example of 
you know, such an area at the moment? Well, I'd say I'd probably infrastructure, renewables, those sorts of areas that have had a lot of issuance and have been regularly issuing shares over the years. Those would be, you could see that sort of scenario developing in, in those areas. It's obviously not something that's happening at the moment, but it's just you can see the potential. Now, Mighton Global Opportunities is going to offer its shareholders an opportunity to tender their shares um, later this year. Do you think many investors will tender their shares? I think if the tender was happening at the moment, no. I mean, it's, it's obviously a few weeks away and the price you get in the tender would be less than just simply selling your shares in the market. So if people want out, because we trade so close to par, you can always deal in the market. So I think I think for this year, it's unlikely to, 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 uh, to see it shrink. Having this sort of structure, it shows that we care about the, the discount. We do buy in, in and we, we do issue shares so that people are comfortable in the fact that you know, we recently bought in some shares at a, at a, at a 1% discount. This, this process means it does give you the scope to, to grow the trust, where if you were sat languishing on a 15 or 20% discount, you would probably be fairly, fairly stuck. And you know, since we introduced this and we and, and you know, um, brought in Frostro to help us on the marketing, you know, at that point, it was a £39 million trust. Today, it's a £100 million trust. So it, it, is, it does allow you to, to grow. Hopefully, getting from 39 million to 100 million is the really, really difficult bit. You know, getting from 100 million to 200, still very difficult, but maybe not quite as difficult because once you're a little bit bigger, there will be a few more people that will that will consider you. Mighty global opportunities, um, I suppose, these days is considered relatively small. It's got assets of 100 million, which sounds a lot, but it's a lot less than some of the big trusts. Doesn't doing frequent tenders exacerbate the size problem? And are you looking to do anything to? to grow the size? Well, as I said, it's it's grown in recent years. As I said, 100 is, is a lot bigger than it was. And therefore, you know, the structure that we have does allow you to grow at times. If you're trading around par and there's a shortage of stock, then and if people want to buy, then the only way that that happens is via issuance. So uh, it, the, it, the structure does give us the scope to grow. As I said, it is, although still small, it's a lot bigger than it was. I mean, that's all my questions. Are there any points that you want to add no i think we, we probably briefly discussed it but i think the the, the 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 most important point is the evolution the change of the sector and how many more asset classes are are in the sector than were even even two or three years ago that means that the opportunities for, for might and global are vastly higher than they were even even three years ago so i think that change um you know becoming a natural home for alternatives um, it's probably the most important thing. And I think that's been spurred by the debacle we've had in the open-ended property funds, that people now recognise that the the probably the best route or the best structure for asset classes where the underlying assets are not easily traded is the closed-ended fund. Thank you, Nick. Some really useful pointers on how to select investment trusts and helpful update on Mighton Global Opportunities.